Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I am so, so sorry for not having, not being with you last week. I had to cancel the show because I really did not feel well. I thought that they will play some show from the past, but apparently they didn't. Uh, I apologize. I know I did not have COVID, but even even was tested, maybe Epstein Barr or whatever. No, but felt tired, just absolutely exhausted. I'm feeling much better now, but still a little bit not hundred percent. So if I sound to you uh, somewhat unusual, I apologize. Anyway, there is another piece of news. Uh, they informed me yesterday um, that for some reason they have a problem with their audio system and you will not be able to call in. I can talk, you can hear me, I hope, uh, but you cannot call in with your questions or comments. I intended today to have an open mic. so. I was looking for, in fact, for me, it's much easier usually than to talk all the time to receive calls and have back and forth interaction with people. So I kind of relaxed and was looking forward to this open mic show. But in the evening, they sent me an um, email saying that I will not be able to receive calls. So sorry. Um, so I will have to improvise, share with you because I really haven't prepared uh, much material, but I will share with you with whatever ideas will come to me today. And you um, can send me emails, please do uh, with your comments or questions. Uh, right now, actually, on my screen, uh, on my desktop, I have these words, and I know I read them to you a couple of weeks ago, but it's so beautiful. The words were written by L. R. Not Nost, uh, so that I would like to read them to you again. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break, and all things can be mended, not with time, as they say but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. Of course, remember the light, I think, is not a person who never had problems or who is not dealing with challenges right now. It's a person who is just like all of us, somewhat wounded, but has the intention to live fully and does all that it takes to make it happen. That's my understanding. A couple of things I wanted to share with you. You probably know already, uh, at least I announced it a couple of times, uh, that I would teach a 60-week course to healthcare professionals. I announced it a while ago, in June, I think. And in September, I started teaching the course to eight people. 
three of whom, by the way, came from you, my dear audience. The group is limited to eight people. Uh, I have more people interested in this course now. In fact, I have three people already who are interested. So I may start teaching another course for professionals, uh, for healthcare professionals, starting sometime in April, maybe May. If any of you interested, you can find information on the course for healthcare professionals on my website, drpeterresnik.com, under offerings. The course is taught on Skype. By the way, those of you who want to write to me and don't have my email, my email is uh, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. G-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at dot com. I'm sorry, gmail dot com. Now, someone asked me a question through email. If I teach classes to general public, not just to professionals, uh, I did for years, in fact, in my office, courses on many subjects, such as overcoming addictions, cancer, mind-body integrative approach to healing, imagination for health and health maintenance, dream work, staying healthy in a stressful world, and many others. In fact, I have a list of 34 different courses that I taught over the years. Two weeks ago, I spoke to a friend of mine, Michael Collins, and I, we discussed about possibility of me offering a free course to my PRN audience. And uh, it would be done on the internet. And he suggested the title, Understanding the Dance of Life, Relationship with Yourself and Others. That's the subtitle, Understanding the Dance of Life, Relationship with Yourself and Others. I definitely have a lot of material. I would love to hear from you uh, if you like the title, if you would be interested in taking the class. What do you think about it? But I thought of another course to offer also for free, Healing and Prevention of Cancer. I've been teaching it for over 20 years. Healing and Prevention of Cancer, Mind-Body Perspective. Each of the courses would be four weeks and each class lasting an hour and a half. And classes are limited to 10 people. First, how do you call it? First come, first first serve. So if people write to me emails and say that they want to take the class, then I will contact contact with you and we'll talk about a possible time. Uh, it may be an e- some evening. I have only one evening more or less free, and that would be probably Thursday evening or some morning. Anyway, that's, that's another possibility. Before, there is some information I, I pulled out here that I wanted to share with you. But before that, I want to share with you something that happened yesterday. Uh, yesterday evening, I received two emails uh, 
one with a person from a person who wrote about being so angry, having uh, so many problems because of his anger. In fact, his wife asked him to leave his home and he now is staying with a friend. And he asked me, you know, would you talk about anger? Uh, actually, I, if you remember, ladies and gentlemen, I, I have been speaking about these six pillars of well-being uh, for a long time now already, my big program. And I believe the last subject was on anger. And it was a little more than a month ago. I will continue talking about this uh, different uh, parts of, of this long course, Six Pillars of Well-Being. In fact, probably will do it today because this I can talk about from my mind. Uh, I don't need notes. Uh, otherwise, I'm not prepared because I was preparing to have an open mic. <laughs> it's much easier to interact with you and, and to ask, to answer your questions. So what I would suggest to you, uh, the gentleman who wrote about anger, go on archives of PRN. I believe it's approximately a month ago. And there is a short write up about each of the shows. And I have I spent the whole hour talking about anger where it comes from, how to deal with it. Uh, everybody is paying the price. You are paying the price. The person who is on the receiving end is paying the price. Nothing good will come out of it. Uh, but I don't want to spend time today talking about anger. Uh, the second email I received was about from a person who wrote it. She's severely depressed and anxious and feels alone and scared. Uh, and apparently, she is not at this point in any kind of therapy. So I would like and because of that email, I kind of decided to go on the internet and see statistics because I haven't looked at it for, for a while. And it's mind boggling. I looked at, at the ADAA, Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And here is the statistics. Generalized anxiety disorder, 6.8 million Americans are suffering from generalized anxiety disorder. 6 million people suffer from panic disorder. Social anxiety, 15 million people. Post-traumatic stress disorder, 7.7 .7 million. That's approximately 35 and a half million people are suffering from different kinds of anxiety. Plus, 16 million people suffer from major depression. So we're talking about over 50 million people. Population of the United States is 330 million. So one of seven people or even more suffer from either anxiety or depression. It's a huge, huge, huge problem. And I'm sure 
people some some people find their ways to to deal with it and to get help but uh, just in case if you feel alone uh, i want you to know that you are not alone i want you to know that this this is the situation in america um, there are books written about why and will not go into it why it is happening we can have many different theories many guesses we have to deal with the reality of what is and see how we can help the situation but i looked up two at least two um, sites that if you're in crisis and if you feel all alone you can reach out one is called samsa s s m a m H S A and the number is eight hundred six six two four three five seven. And if you call it's a free service, they will connect you with someone. It's like a hotline, hotline for addiction, hotline for suicide, hotline for uh, crisis. Then there is another website called National Lifeline. Uh, and it's 800-273-8255. The same, you can talk about uh, if you're suicidal, if there is a suicide hotline, and there is a panic hotline, depression hotline, drug addiction hotline. But after I received that, that uh, and it was already late when I read the email, I stayed for some extra time and I pulled out my information on depression and anxiety because I don't believe that I spoke on this show, these subjects, but actually I came up with 10 steps of dealing with anxiety. Now, it doesn't mean that my 10 steps are a perfect answer to, to the issue of anxiety or depression if you're dealing with it it's just yet another way to deal with it just like as i told you in the past you have to find the best way for yourself most important is to remember that there are many different ways to address any problem there is not one problem that cannot be addressed you have to be willing to search and as i said you know, same issue is, can be addressed in totally opposite way. And you will have thousands, if not millions of people saying, yes, it helps. Just like, you know, I keep repeating, Gary now is totally for being a vegetarian and even vegan. And I know, I know how many people he, he helped over decades. Uh, uh, you know, I spoke to those people. In fact, people who call my show always say, oh, I've been listening to Gary Null for 30 years. And I know Gary Null for 25 years. So I know how helpful he is to people. And yet, excuse me, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. And yet I interviewed people like uh, Joel Wallach, 
the American guy, and the British lady, a medical doctor, uh, her name is Natalie McBride, Natalia McBride, and they are totally for eating uh, animal protein, saying that it's extremely important to eat animal protein. In fact, raw vegetables are not so good for you. Uh, it's much better to make them, to, to cook them. Now, such contradictory information. How do you know what's right for you? You don't. You experiment and see what is right for you. So the same thing with approaching anything uh, emotional, psychological. But what I know is that humanity develops so many wonderful tools over centuries that there is help. There is help no matter what you deal with. Uh, people feel helpless when they feel alone. So let me share then with you my 10 steps to uh, recovery from depression or anxiety. Number one, if it is possible, connect with people you trust, people with whom you can share your pain. Uh, if you are willing and able to do it. For some people, it's extremely difficult. But remember that everyone, you look at people, particularly now with all this Facebook, and you see smiling faces, you don't know what is happening behind those beautiful photographs. I keep repeating beautiful, beautiful words uh, that Robin Williams said. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Everyone is dealing with something. If a person is 20 years old, they already suffered. They already have some crisis uh, under their belt. And the, the older you are, the more challenges you experience. Like the Buddha starts, the, the teachings of the Buddha start with the words, life is difficult. Life is also beautiful. Life is also magnificent. Life is also exciting. There are so many wonderful gifts that life offers, but it's also challenging. So, in fact, in Buddhism, and I'm not Buddhist, but in Buddhism, they have a very interesting concept of impermanence, which means nothing stays permanent. Things always change. Cold, hot. Uh, wind, no wind. Sadness, joy. Wealth, poverty. Not even yes, if a person is multi-billionaire, it doesn't mean that he cannot experience poverty. It may be a different kind of poverty, not financial. But there is constant flow, and it's very important to know that the flow is always there, and you are never stuck in the same place. One of the frightening things for people is that when they experience that anxiety or that depression, or that sadness, or that grief, it feels it will never end. It is not true. 
So going back to my first step, if you can, it's very important that you share with your pain with someone who will listen, hopefully someone you know who will not try to fix you to to start giving you directions for what to do. Uh, because what they would do in the situation, it's, it's applicable for them. You're a different person. The best is if you have a person who can just hear you out. And of course, there are hotlines and there are people who are trained to do just that. And I gave you the uh, addresses of these hotlines. Uh, and with these hotlines, you can anonymously uh, receive help and share with what's going on. And often you will get very good advice. Inform them that uh, you need, sometimes you can simply say, I don't need you to solve my problems. I just want to be heard. Um, and what you will discover is that you are not alone because you are not alone. That's the point I am making in my first step. You have to connect with other people who at least know that you are not alone because that, that brings people to desperation. I just told you over 50 million people experience either depression, um, we're talking about major clinical depression or serious anxiety, 50 million, more than every seventh person in America. So you see all these smiling people, uh, you go on the internet, you watch television, everybody is happy, and you think I am the only person who is miserable. And that, of course, makes you even more miserable. So just remember this, you are not alone. The second, the second step, once you identify that, yes, this is a situation that you're going through. Now, more than likely, your life has not been always this way. So the number two step is connect with your feelings, but without judgment. Ask yourself, what do, you, do I feel? Because very often people have this uh, somatic experience because any feeling, any emotion is also a physical event. People feel tired, people feel heaviness in their stomach, burning in their chest, uh, tightness in, in their neck, in their shoulders. Whatever you feel, identify. Ask yourself, what do I feel? And of course, emotionally, you may feel lonely, or scared, or hopeless, or desperate, emotionally tired, or wanting life to be over, disconnected from people in life itself. Whatever it is, ask yourself, what do I feel? Allow yourself to feel whatever you are feeling without making any judgment and or interpretation. It's very important. Remember the principle of imper impermanence. If you stay with that feeling, let's say anger or feeling hopeless, stay with it. 
what you will find is that the intensity of the feeling will change. So we're not trying, I'm, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm just trying to demonstrate to you that the feelings can be changed. You are not stuck in this hell of negativity, hell of pain. Just be aware of the feeling. Nothing stays the same. No feeling, no circumstance. Your attitude also will change. Do it for as long as it takes. Truly connect and feel and identify. And I would say give it a name. I hope those of you who are listening and can relate to what I'm saying. And if indeed one of seven people experiences, and that's what statistics says, and let's say if a thousand people is listening to me, now that's, that's at least 70 people now going through this experience. And let's say half or more than half are dealing with it successfully through therapy, through medication, whatever way, that's fantastic. But even if one person or five people are listening now in that state of feeling desperate, I want you to make notes. I want you to think perhaps these tools may be helpful to you. And if not, you go on the hotline. There is help. That's very important to know. Because I, I read this I read this email and, and I responded to the email, but I don't think that it was enough and it was evening time. And I noticed uh, you, the one who, um, who wrote this, is listening now. So I'm actually addressing, I'm trying to, to help you out. So most important, know, know that these particular feelings are only a part of you. I repeat, they are a part of you. The feelings that you have may be overshadowing everything else at this moment. What I mean is, let's say you feel extremely sad or hopeless. That's a part of you that feels hopeless. Absolutely. But there, is a, there was a reason you wrote to me that email. There is a reason you are listening now to this show. So there is another part of you that is hopeful, or part of you that is searching for an answer. And that's super important to remember. And we have a lot of parts to us. There is also a part of us that is judgmental. It's a separate part. It's very interesting. Uh, I think uh, Richard Schwartz, I believe, wrote an incredible book called Internal Family Systems. Unfortunately, I did not finish reading it. I just started reading it. A friend of mine introduced this whole concept to me. And it's uh, to some degree similar to, to the approach that I use. 
and it's doing waking dreams, as you know, using imagination, working with night dreams. But in some ways, it's very different. But I think learning, for me, learning um, about these internal family systems, uh, it will be quite beneficial. And when I say internal family, he is talking about not outside family, but internal, that inside of us, we have a system, we have a family, we have different parts that serve different purposes. So that that feeling, if you're experiencing sadness, it's not against you, it doesn't want to destroy you. It reminds you of something, just like in my other classes, other lectures, I spoke about uh, somatic reactions to certain experiences. I think I told you uh, a story how a woman uh, was getting these headaches. My, yeah, yeah, I think I told the story. Uh, a woman was getting these headaches, uh, migraine headaches, and uh, happy, uh, went to see doctors, no problems, and yet headaches don't disappear. And, you know, I do these exploratory exercises, and I gave her an exercise to go inside of her pain, to go inside of her head where it hurts, and see what she discovers. And first she saw darkness, and then she saw, uh, strangely, an open refrigerator. And then that was all. And so then she opened her eyes, and I said, what is, what is it about the... Uh, refrigerator. What is a refrigerator? Why, why suddenly the refrigerator popped into your mind? And she said, I don't know, it just, just popped into my mind. I said, why was it open? And she said, well, because um, often my mother-in-law leaves the refrigerator open. And I said, does she live with you? And she said, no, she doesn't live with us. She lives, it's their building. She lives on a different floor, on the first floor. We live on the second floor. But every day she comes in, opens the refrigerator and checks, you know, if what I have for children, what I cooked and so on. And of course, we understood from this experience, even though consciously she did not, because of the culture, you know, you have to respect older people particularly your, your mother-in-law, uh, even though she didn't want consciously to admit, but her subconscious mind carried this connection or between the refrigerator, that is her, her mother-in-law every day comes and checks if she's doing the right thing. You know, she is a grown woman, she has her own home, her own family, her children, and yet she has this guard who comes every day and checks up on her. And so she somaticized her resentment. So this is the how our psyche works. So this headache was not an enemy of this woman. This headache was, how to say it, was more uh, a messenger. In fact, we were able to uh, engage this woman's husband. It was difficult for her to actually uh, share with her, but nevertheless, um, she did. And 
the, just the fact that she recognized that uh, that that these Hades were part of, of this internal struggle, uh, and plus that her husband interfered. I don't really remember now how they worked out it with the family, because it was challenging to convince his mother to to let it go a little bit, not to come every day and to check on her daughter-in-law. But anyway, the headaches subsided and then disappeared. So I was just told you this story because this is a part of us. The headache is a part of us. The sadness is a part of us. The rage is a part of us. Even that gentleman who wrote to me about anger, his anger is also a part of him. His anger was trying to accomplish something. I don't know uh, what it is yet. And it seems that, you know, from his email, he wants um, to see me individually. So, and I will see him and will discover because if his wife would be willing to work and uh, work on this relationship, if it's not too late, and even if it's too late, he has to understand that the anger also serves some purpose. So that's the second part. Um, that's the second uh, step in dealing with either depression or anger. The third step, after the second step uh, you worked on, you can now look at the content of your depressive thoughts. Remember, first we identified what, what this is. Now, when you look at the content, you ask yourself, do I feel this way when I think about something that actually happened? Or do I feel this way because I just have negative thoughts, save blame, regret, guilt, or fear? Regardless whether it's anxiety or depression, am I making myself clear? Which means sometimes we feel angry or we feel sad, depressed because something actually happened. Somebody acted a certain way. And sometimes, no, it's just sad thoughts, depressive thoughts. So then ask yourself, what issues can be addressed and the result through deliberate action. If you have uh, uh, a pen and a paper, write it down for yourself. Or of course, you can always go to, to archives and listen to this show if it interests you. So you ask yourself, what issue can be addressed or resolved through deliberate action? Because something may be made you sad, or made you angry, or made you depressed or anxious. But certain steps can be made, and corrections can be made. So, and if you answer positively, you begin to plan what specific actions you can take. But don't plan in your mind, nothing in your mind. Always you sit down, you have a paper, and the pen and you write it down. 
Then, um, and then of course you act upon it. And then ask yourself another question. Are there issues that are bothering me that are product of cognitive errors? What I mean is to say it simply, uh, what are the issues, what, what is bothering me that are simply negative thoughts possibly, just making a, that I'm making up some sad stories. Because some people have a tendency to be negative, have a tendency to be miserable. And you will see even little children, some, some kids, you know, nothing, not a big deal. They, they had a little problem, something broke, they go on and, and move on and, and, and enjoy themselves. And some begin to grieve, begin to be sad about a toy or whatever, or an event. Why it happens, I don't have an answer. You know, some psychologists would say, well, it comes from the family, and somebody else will say it, it may be genetic from your ancestors. And if you believe in your past lives, it may be part, it's your soul, it's, that's how you are, it's your psychic makeup, it doesn't matter. What matters is the situation, if you make up negative stories. But how do you know? How do you know that something is a, just a negative story or reality of your life? How do you know you are uh, a harsh person, uh, unkind, angry, or you appear to yourself that way, but in reality you may be not that harsh and not that angry? How do you know? This is where help of a professional would be great. Or not necessarily professional. You don't need a psychologist, social worker. You can go to your clergy, to a man or a woman, um, a priest, a rabbi, imam, whoever it is who is objective. Or just a friend who is insightful and who is, remember, it's very important what I would call not on your side, which means no matter what you do, they will say, oh, you're a great person. No, you want the person to be straight, honest with you. So that the person is not on your side, but on the side of truth. And then you get their feedback. If you trust, preferably ask two people, like in, in the Bible, you need two witnesses and ask them, but this and this makes me sad. This and this what I think about myself. How do you view me? And the person will tell you. And if a person tells you, okay, you have something to work on. It doesn't mean you are doomed to be that way. It's just something to work on. So now we covered three steps. Let's go a little faster. Fourth step. Do the work of clarifying or finding meaning in your life. You remember the book uh, by Viktor Frankl, Men's Search for Meaning, where he shows clearly that the difference between a person surviving or dying is whether or not they have meaning in their life. Probably 
the work that influenced me the most of all work that I, that I read was, you know, you heard me say many times, my teacher, Madame Colette Bouquer Muscat of Blessed Memory, Dr. Gerald Epstein, Dr. William Glasser, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and uh, also Viktor Frankl. And all of them focused on one thing, on the is, on is, on the now, on the present moment. Focusing on the present moment and doing the best you can about the now. So, and your now always depends on you having meaning in your life. Where there is no meaning, there is emptiness. Then you're looking still for something that may be meaningless and has no value. So you keep jumping from one thing to another. And the more you try to uh, fill that gap, the more empty you feel, the more disappointed you feel, the more anxious you feel, the more depressed you feel. So what you, you do the work of clarifying the meaning in your life. Now you will say, by the way, I had a caller and I even remember her name, Carol, a wonderful, wonderful woman from Brooklyn. And she called several months ago, and then she called a couple more times. And she asked this question that stays in my mind. And it's not that like an original question, it's not that I didn't hear it many times, but she asked it on the air. And, and I always think about it. I always keep in mind when I talk that Carol is listening there. <laughs> And I am still attempting to answer her question. And she asked the question, what is the purpose of life? Yes, I encourage you, step four, clarify and or find the meaning in life. What if you don't have it? What if you don't have it? Okay. If you don't have, if you're not clear about meaning in life, then the meaning Life is finding meaning. I, I repeat, the meaning in life is finding meaning. How can you find meaning? Well, I personally believe that we come with a certain purpose. I believe that we come to do uh, a correction. That is, as my teacher of blessed memory called it, to climb the ladder of ourselves, to become the best. One of the main meanings in our life is to become the best we can become as human beings. So the way you find out of the work that you have to do is you notice persistent patterns in your life, challenges that you face, Notice what challenges repeat themselves. And that is your purpose. Your purpose is to transcend those challenges. The purpose first to identify. And that is not a simple thing. And I would suggest, I, I, I think it's, it's difficult, in fact, 
uh, I would very much recommend if you know uh, someone who is, it doesn't matter their degree, uh, what school they came from, it has to be a person who is uh, grown enough, who is secure enough to share with his or her own challenges that they faced in their life, dealing with their life situations, possibly similar situations than yours. Uh, people who are willing to confront you and tell you the truth, not just people who will listen to you and let you vent. You can vent, you know, to the rest of your life and nothing will change. So people who will help you to see patterns in your life, what are the patterns and what are the negative patterns. And that's when you, when you know your negative patterns, that's what, when you begin to work on them and work slowly, deliberately. And what you notice is it's not that, let's say you discovered four or five patterns that challenging in life. It's not that once you discover those five patterns and change, now you begin your life. No. Once you begin to change a little bit one of the patterns, the quality of your life improves. You, you, you can begin to work on a couple of patterns. Your life is even better. And so you feel better in every possible way as a part of the journey, not at the end of it. And then you find people like who are like-minded. Uh, so it's a very enriching and beautiful experience. You have to be willing and open to searching, as I said, for meaning in life and searching for people who can help you with that. N number five steps, identifying and learn the tools you need in the pursuit of what of that which makes your life meaningful. Uh, it's the same that uh, number four. I actually expanded number four into number five. That's what I meant, identify. It's looking for tools. Now, you may know the tools. You may be clear about meaning in life. But if you are apathetic, if you are not willing to make an effort Listen, nothing will happen. <laughs> you will be where you will be. So number six step is develop or strengthen your voluntary will. So you could follow through with your commitment to find meaning. Finding meaning, making an effort, every morning waking up, and knowing that you are doing something that gets you closer to finding meaning. Or if you do have meaning, remember, I've been focusing on no meaning, but maybe you do have meaning, but it's just you're in such a difficult place because you got shocks of life. You had some loss. You're depressed because bad things happen. You still use your will to focus on meaning. And again, it's good if you can talk to somebody sharing your pain, because the pain of loss is great. And it, what we know is sooner or later, the pain goes, 
subsides. But at times it takes long time. I know, I know, unfortunately, I know, I know a family that lost a son, a grown man, and parents are alive. And he's a grown, he was a grown man, beautiful human being, and had cancer and died within a month. And what a horrific tragedy. How can you say, okay, snap out of it? No, they will grieve, grieve about him for probably the rest of their life. But my hope is they will still focus on what is meaningful. And what is meaningful is they have grandchildren. They, uh, they can put their energy into helping their grandchildren, encouraging, teaching their grandchildren, honoring their son's memory. So there is still meaning or you give up and life is over. So, but back to number six, uh, if you don't have the will to pull yourself away from that sadness, depression, or that anxiety, then I would recommend that you practice what I developed, I call it WIT, W-I-T, Will Integration Training. Uh, I believe I have it in one of my um, show in the archives, PRN, in one of my shows. If you don't find it, if you want, uh, please send me an email, drpeterresnik at gmail.com, and I will gladly send you the whole write-up, because Will Integration Training teaches you step-by-step week by week, how to strengthen your will. It's kind of a tricky thing. Because to strengthen your will, you need to have will to practice the exercises. But they're not difficult in the beginning, in the beginning, at least. And the more you practice, the stronger your will is. And there are, it's a 12 week program. After 12 weeks, you can kind of assess where you are, and if you are stronger, and if you're more able to keep your word to yourself and practice what you want to practice. Step number seven, keep weeding out negative and depressive thoughts from your mind. Now, people wake up in the morning and may feel already this heaviness. It's not only that you have bad thoughts, and suddenly, then you feel sad, you feel anxious. No, it may be purely physical. Then you have to change your physical state. You have to force yourself, stand up, move, take a shower, your energy may begin to change. We'll talk a little later if that is not working, I will tell you what else to do. But in the beginning, if you can, you have to start moving. And then if your negative thoughts come, depressive thoughts, hopeless thoughts, anxious thoughts, what you do when I, when I say weeding out those negative thoughts, you have no control over a negative thought coming in. You have control over what you do once that thought comes in, which means 
uh, let's say I say, uh, in my mind comes, oh, I'm so clumsy, you know, like my children have been teaching me how to use Zoom. And I, I say, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so lame. Let's say that thought came. I have no, this thought popped into my mind, this thought, the speed of thought, um, social psychologists somehow figured out is one one hundred fiftieth of a second. So you're a loser anyway. You will not be able to catch it and stop it. But you do have control of, of over what you do once that negative thought uh, popped into your mind. Which means, let's say some negative thought comes. Once you identify it's negative, you go. Boom, that's it. You see it as a bubble, see the bubble explode, and you go right back to what you're doing. Another negative thought, boom, you explode it. You don't go into the content of the thought. You simply explode it, okay? Again, I'm giving you a very simple model. This is, the, it, there is much, much more work to do or dealing with depression and anxiety. But I want you to try this. These are simple techniques, and you may find it useful. I would, I would very much appreciate if you write to me, give me feedback. If you happen to use these tools, also next week, the audio system will be, they promise, fixed. So we'll have an open mic. You're absolutely welcome to call and ask questions and give your feedback. Number eight step, consult a naturopathic doctor uh, or qualified nutritionist about nutritional program uh, that would be good for a person with uh, symptoms of depression or symptoms of anxiety. Uh, further, take stock of your sleep hygiene and water intake. Studies indicate that removing toxins toxic foods, eating a nutritionally balanced diet, drinking two, three liters a day, and getting seven to eight hours of sleep are essential for reducing symptoms, symptoms of depression, for example, or anxiety for that matter. So take, take, pay attention to that. Number nine, Find, if you can, a highly qualified yoga teacher, not general class, I'm talking if you can afford it, a good yoga teacher who will teach you individually some techniques for mastering negative feelings. Yes, yoga is a full system. Yoga is a total full system of healthcare. And there are specific techniques for anxiety, specific techniques for depression, and they work. And I have given them to many people, and I'm telling you they work. You have to be committed to practicing them. And finally, number 10, if nothing helps, and you really have to invest your energy and try those tools that I gave you, and if nothing helps, and you absolutely cannot get out of that rut, particularly if you start losing sleep, you cannot sleep. That's, that's not, not a good sign. You ask, remember, life is most important. Then you find a naturopathic physician or regular physician or psychiatrist, and you get medication. 
that will help you sleep, will, help, will stabilize you. I am for very much avoiding using medication, but life is most important, more important than any doctrine and any commitment. And if you, particularly if you cannot sleep, you get medication so you would stabilize your sleep. Then you can get off it, but and, and then you take nutritional supplements. Uh, and if you can to do only nutritional supplements, that would be the best. And once your sleep stabilizes, you do physical exercises, you connect, as I said, with the right therapist, you practice the tools that I offered you, and slowly you will become better. Don't expect to snap out of it. But step by step, Go over each of the steps that I uh, shared with you. I found over the years that uh, they were helping many people. But the truth is, I was with them. I was the one who was recommending them. So they had the support system. They had Peter Resnick in addition to it. Uh, nevertheless, you have now the program and you can find somebody you know. It doesn't have to be a psychologist. It needs to be a person who is compassionate, who will listen to you, and who will be there for you when you need to talk to someone. Again, remember, you are not alone. I wish you well. Thank you for being with me today. Uh, it's time for me to finish uh, this show. Uh, I hope next week we'll have all systems working and I will have an open mic I will be happy to interact with you meanwhile please do write to me Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail.com and thank you again for being with me uh, peace to all who want to live in peace